Thank you, ladies. Beautiful, beautiful song. Well, it's a, certainly a delight of mine to get to be here today, to be around some people I've worked with for in the past for a number of years. And uh, I appreciate you being here this morning. Open your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 24 this morning, verse number 16. And while you're opening that up, don't raise your hand, but I do want to ask you a question. Is anybody offended this morning? <laughs> what are you laughing at? I mean, well, maybe been offended this past week. Say, well, to be quite honest, which I don't want to be honest, but to be quite honest with you, you know, I'm offended at my husband. Well, no, I'm offended at the boss man where I work, that jerk. I'm, I, he just, he ticks me off. And, or the kids, I'm offended at my parents, you know. Well, I'm offended at the preacher. I'm offended at the church. I'm offended at the deacons. Matter of fact, I'm just offended at everybody. There's people who are like that. Are you offended this morning? Hmm. I want to talk about that a little bit today. Acts 24 and verse number 16, it says this. Paul says, herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense against God and toward men. Do you realize offense is a tool the devil uses to trap people? An evangelist was preaching overseas. In, I think it was in Indonesia, matter of fact. And uh, he was staying with a wealthy family that particular week. Matter of fact, the man's mother had helped pay his plane ticket for his children to be able to also come with him to that meeting. And uh, near the end of the week, that lady came to him and said to him, Why have I never felt the presence of God? I have been here every night. I have come forward to the altar. I have repented, etc., and all this kind of stuff. I cannot feel God's presence in my life. Well, the evangelist talked with her just a little bit, and then it, he, seemed, he seemed like that God, God spoke to him and said, this woman has got unforgiveness in her heart. And so he told her, he says, uh, you're holding unforgiveness against your husband. Now, he knew that her husband was dead. And they've been dead, I guess, for some time. And she said, uh, yes, you're right. I've tried to forgive him. And uh, she told him, she told the pastor, the, the evangelist, about the horrible things this man had done to her. And uh, he could understand. He could see why she wrestled with not being able to forgive him. But he, uh, he said to her, he said, listen, you have got to forgive this man you've got to forgive him and explain to her what Jesus said about forgiveness do you do understand that the Bible teaches us that forgiveness is conditional you can't go through life and say I have experienced the forgiveness of God and then adamantly refuse to forgive somebody else so she understood and so he said, let's pray. And so he prayed, and um, he prayed. He said, Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to, uh, 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 to, to help this lady or whatever. And uh, she prayed, and um, she said, as she prayed to the Lord, she says, I cannot forgive him in my own strength, but before you right now, I release. I release my husband from my heart. I forgive, I forgive him almost immediately. The tears began to flow. 
she began to experience the presence of God. I'm simply telling you that being offended, living in a state of being offended is a trap. Jesus said in Luke 17, he said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. The word offend is an interesting word. It comes from the word scandalon, okay? And originally, this referred to the name of a part of a trap. Do I have any hunters in here? Anybody do any trapping? Okay. It originally referred to the name of the part of a trap to which the bait is attached. Do you get what Jesus is saying right here? Offense. Being offended is a trap. And let me tell you. Man, does the devil ever use that right there to keep the blessings of God out of your life. Jesus said also in Matthew 24, 10 through 12, and then many will be offended. You know what Matthew 24 is. That's that great passage in the Gospels where Jesus talks about the last days. He said many will be offended and will betray one another and hate one another, and the love of many will grow cold. So we see that's one of the signs, if you please, of those last days. This constant thing of being offended. And my friend, if you allow that stuff to fester in your life, it's everywhere you go, you get offended. You're offended at the waitress. You're offended at, the, you're offended at everybody. And it's a trap, man. You know, being offended actually entraps us, enslaves you, and pulls you down. Here's what Paul said in Galatians 6, 8 through 9. He who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. Farming season's pretty much over. A lot of the corn's being harvested now with combines, etc. And you know that what you put in that ground, you expect to come up. It doesn't always work that way, does it? Sometimes nothing comes up, but I'm promising you, when you sow in the ground, you're sowing for a harvest, and what you sow comes up. You know, Absalom got offended at his daddy. You say, well, he had cause because of what happened to his sister and his dad didn't really do anything. You may have a point right there. Maybe he had some grounds for it. But you know what? He let it take root in his life and it produced the fruit of bitterness. You see, there is a fruit that goes with that fruit of offense, and it's jealousy, it is strife, it is bitterness, it is resentment, it is hatred, it is anger. And you see, what Absalom didn't understand is even though he was offended at his dad, what he allowed to happen in his life, the offense that he nurtured in his life, produced something even worse in himself. Even to the point of seeking to kill his own dad. Hebrews 12, 15 says this. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and many thereby be defiled. That's an interesting word, defiled. It literally talks about to die, as in to die a piece of cloth to stain something. Ladies, how many times have you dropped something on your favorite dress, stained it, and rust? I can't get it out. Hmm? Well, that's what happens right here. 
that, that word defiled means we get stained with something. And if you're not careful, you will let offense become a stain in your life. It ruins you. It stains you. And this root that Absalom did took such a hold on his life, and it bore such a fruit of bitterness and revenge and resentment that he literally sought to kill his dad. Probably many of you saw this week the, the video of the Israeli woman who had been shot six times by a Hamas terrorist. She called her daddy. Her daddy was a policeman. She had not talked to her dad in six years because she was offended at him because of a divorce. Hmm? You know what she could have said? I'd rather die than call my daddy to help me. But thank goodness she had enough sense to call her daddy, Daddy, please come and help me. I've been shot. But he ran. He ran to her defense. Probably the reason that she is alive right now, recuperating in a hospital, is that she dropped that offense, called up her estranged daddy, and said, help me. He didn't say to her, well, you've not called me in six years. What are you calling now? He drops the phone and runs to save his daughter. Wow. Offenses and the power of offenses. I want you to think about this right here. Here is a principle that you need to put into your life. Romans 12, 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. Avenge not yourselves. Rather give place to wrath. It's written, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. Do you understand sometimes you get involved in trying to, to pay back things that you have no business paying back? That's God's business. God will take care of that. You said, well, he wronged me and I didn't do it. He did it and, I, and I'm going to get. You, you, you better not get him. All right. You better let God take care of the vengeance business. You know, Joseph had grounds to be offended. Joseph could have said, you boys, you sold me. You took my heritage away. You took my youth away. You sold me into Egypt, and you've left me. You don't care about me. Joseph could later have said, you know, he could have nurtured that grudge for, I think there's some 10-plus years, maybe even longer than that, before he saw those brothers again. He could have nurtured that every day. And said, I hate Reuben, I hate Simeon, I hate Judah, I hate Issachar. If I ever get my hands on them, I will pay them back. How do you pay back for offenses? Do you, do you, have, do you have the standard? Do you know how to do that? Do, do you know how to justly pay back for what someone has wronged you with? I never read in the Bible where Joseph ever held that grudge. And when he saw them, what did he do? He blessed them. Look with me in Matthew 18. This is one of the classic passages that we want to give some attention to. In verse number 21, and then came Peter to him and said, Lord, <laughs> how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Lord, how about seven times? Seven, that's pretty good, right, Lord? Yeah, I'm, I'm a man of grace. Seven times I'll, I'll forgive him. Hmm? I dare say... There's a married couple here this morning, and you, you came to church, but you're mad. She's mad at you, hmm? or you're mad at her 
I mean, you ought to come to church because you don't want anybody calling you up this week. Hey, man, we missed y'all this week. Everything good? Anybody get sick? And you don't want to be truthful and say, yeah, I'm just mad as a dickens. I could bust his head. You don't want to say that. Come on, we're going to go to church this morning. I got to sing in the choir. My time to sing. How you doing? I'm wonderful. Great. Praise God. Isn't God good? And you're lying right from your heart. But haven't we all done that? Guilty, <laughs> guilty. And so Peter said, Lord, seven times, forgive me seven times. I'm good, ain't I, God? And Jesus said, how about 70 times seven, Peter? We don't stop forgiving. We don't stop forgiving. You see, folks, we've got this notion. We've got this, we've got this Baptist notion that if I said a prayer when I was seven and a half years old, Jesus, come in my heart, forgive me my sins, save me right now. We think we're good. We're good, man. We can just live like how we want to live. Don't make any difference. I don't see that in the Bible. I don't see it there. You see, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And he said, they're not grievous. And we have a next. Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He has a way for his children to live, for his followers to live. And one of the big words is forgiveness. Forgiveness. Well, Jesus said, I say to these until seventy times seven. Therefore, is the kingdom of heaven like to a certain king? I love Jesus, this parable. So he's the greatest storyteller ever been. I liken to a, cer- uh, to a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought to him which owed him 10,000 talents. And for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded, sell him, sell his wife, sell his children, sell everything he's got. And let me try to recoup some of the money this guy, this, this fellow owes me. And the servant fell down to worship saying, Lord, have patience with me. I'll pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, loosed him, forgave him the debt. You get the picture in your mind? Very possibly this guy was a tax gatherer or whatever for the, for the king. And he must have been a terrible businessman. Matter of fact, he was in debt, unbelievable amount of money. Matter of fact, I think the Bible says he was in debt to his Lord about 10,000 talents. Well, when you look at that right there, a talent is about 75 pounds. And so if it's 10,000 of that, that's about 750,000 pounds or 375 tons of probably gold, not silver. And so this servant owed this king Around $14 billion. He was really in debt. And the king said, pay up time. He said, I ain't got it. I ain't got it. King says, what? I don't have it. He said, sell him. Chain him. And maybe as they were dragging him out the door, he falls to his knees with tears streaming down his face and says, I beg you, please, don't sell my children. Don't sell my wife. I will pay you back. And the old king had compassion. And he looked at him and said, loose him, let him go, I forgive him. Well, as the parable goes on, that same servant goes out and finds somebody who is in debt to him. And he grabs him by the neck and says, pay me what you owe me. And he says, sir, I will. I I promise you, I will pay. What did he owe him? Well, he owed him 100 pence. So that's pence is a denarion. That's a day's work. So, and, man, he owed him three or four months' wages, okay? 
And he had him thrown in. He says, please have mercy. Don't throw me into jail. Give me a chance. I'll pay you everything. Throw him in jail and keep him in this debtor's prison till he pays me everything he owes me. Well, what that servant didn't understand was there's people watching what's going on. And they go back to the king and said, sir, we need to let you know something. We were in your court the day that you forgave Mr. whatever his name is, Mr. Mr. Judas or whatever, and you forgave him $14 billion. He goes out that week, grabs one of the servants that's indebted to him that owed him, I don't know, he maybe... Maybe he owed him $4,000, and he threw him in prison. And that poor guy sitting in prison right now, he didn't have any mercy on him. He didn't have any, any forgiveness to him. And he said, you go get that man, and you bring him before me. And what did it say right here? Then the Lord, after he called him, said, oh, wicked servant. Now, when you read these passages, you need to follow some of the words carefully. King, servant, fellow servant, I forgave you all that debt because you desired me. Should not thou also have had compassion on thy, here's the word, fellow servant, even as I had pity on you? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him, <coughs> delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due him. So he throwed him back in jail and delivered him to the tormentors. But look at 35. So likewise, this is Jesus talking now. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also to you if you from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother and their trespasses. So what do you mean tormentors? Did you, you're saying he's sinning the hell? No, you're reading wrong into the passage. Keep everything in context. We're talking about forgiveness. The king forgave his servant. That servant was to forgive his fellow servant. We're all fellow servants, okay? We're all fellow servants with each other, and we're servants to the king, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what's torture talking about right here? He's not talking about hell, okay? He's talking about, well, Webster's Dictionary defines it as an agony of body and mind. And I believe there's a lot of people today that carries a lot of burden on them. I mean, they're, they've got bitterness. They're angry. They think, I've been done wrong. I've been cheated. It's not been fair. God, it's not fair. God, you know it's not fair. Can we get real just a minute? There's some people who are offended at God. God, why did you, treat, why did you let this happen to me? God, you know I didn't deserve this. God, why? Why has this happened in my life? Do you know what torture here may be talking about? A mental agony of body or mind. Well... Here's, here's what someone from Johns Hopkins Medicine said. Chronic anger puts you in a fight or a flight mode, which results in numerous changes in heart rate, blood pressure, immune response. I wonder if somebody this morning deals constantly with just, you know, their deal with, with uh, uh, physical problems because they're so tore up inside their heart. 
Here's what Karen Swartz, she's a medical doctor. She's a director of Mood Disorders Adult Consultation Clinic at Johns Hopkins. She said, forgiveness is not just about saying the words. It's an active process in which you make a conscious decision to let go of negative feelings, whether the other person deserves it or not. You say, well, I've never forgiven preach because they didn't ask for it. And they're not going to ask for it. They're not going to ask for it. You're waiting for some people to come ask you forgiveness, you'll die. They're not going to ask you. But you know what's happened to you? You're in a trap. You're in the trap. You stepped into that trap, and it's got you by the foot. Actually, it's got you by the heart. Hmm? And you live in this state of mental turmoil. You're aggrieved. You're offended. And you just can't seem to get no peace. And consequently, you say, I have no joy in my life. You do understand Jesus said the joy of the Lord is our strength. That's where we get strength from. And a lot of people have had it short-circuited because they're so full of of being offended, of, of being hurt, of, and they carry this stuff and carry it and carry it. There's people that's carried it from their childhood, and they're still carrying it around right now, right now. we got to let it go, you see. Uh, people, people hang on. This doctor went on to say people who hang on to grudges are more likely to experience severe depression. I'd say amen to that. Post-traumatic stress disorder as well as other health conditions. Stephen Staniford, he's also a doctor. He's chief of surgery at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. He said refusing to forgive makes people sick and keeps them that way. Hmm? Yeah. Another person said harboring these negative emotions, this anger and hatred, creates a state of chronic anxiety. What about that? Hmm? What about that? Think about that. Now, that's the physical and the emotional damage, but there's also a spiritual damage that goes along with that. 1 John 4, 20 says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. Hmm? You see, folks, Jesus has a whole way of living. He has a way of joy. He has a way of victory. He has a way of power. And he's a forgiver. And he demands doesn't suggest. He demands that we forgive and that we be just like him. You see, you say, well, oh, the Bible says uh, eye for nine, tooth for tooth. They wronged me and I'm going to. That's Old Testament. And Jesus negated that right there. I might remind you in Matthew 5, 38, he said, you've heard that it's been said eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But I say unto you, New Testament period, that you resist not evil. Whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other. If a man will sue thee at law and take away thy cloak, let him have thy cloak also. Now, we're not saying you just become passive. You don't defend your... That's not what Jesus is saying right there. Hmm? But he is telling us, you can't go through your life with an Old Testament principle saying, I will get even. You won't get even. How are you going to get even? Hmm? How are you going to do that? You say, well, they wronged me. They hurt me. You know what they did to me, preacher, and I want to hurt them. Will that make your hurt go away? No. No. 
follow the principle, what the Bible says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. If you get out of the way, God can move. And God can do far more work than you ever thought about doing. Now, what about this thing of being offended? You offended this morning? Are you carrying something that you, you've not forgiven somebody? You've not let it go? Jesus wants you to let it go. He's the great healer. He's the great restorer. He's the great setter of the record straight kind of a person. He can fix it. But you've got to get out of the way. Hmm? You've got to get out of the way. I want to ask you to bow your head just a second. Let's talk to the Lord just a minute, all right? I don't know your heart. Jesus knows your heart, and you know your heart this morning. And I think he wants to help somebody. I think he wants to release somebody. Is there somebody in your heart right now that you need to forgive? You say, well, they're 500 miles away. I can't exactly go to them. No, but you can go to Jesus, and you can tell him. You can tell him. Hmm? You have to get honest. You may have to come to Jesus and say, Lord, I don't like him. I don't like Joe, or I don't like Janice. And God, you know my heart. And I've held a grudge against him, and I'm sorry. I'm having the hardest time forgiving. But God, if you will help me right here, right now, this morning, I release them to you. For years I have felt like, God, I wanted to get even, but I know I can't do that. God, I'm going to give it to you now. I'm releasing it right now. I'm laying it at the feet of Jesus right now. If you do something about it, that's good. If you don't, that's good. Because I've given it to you. I'm not going back there. I'm not going back there. God, life's too short. And I want to feel your presence. And I want to experience your blessing. God, God, would you help me? And we're going to pray in just a moment. Does anybody say, would you include me in that prayer? I need to do some forgiving. and forgiving I've been holding a grudge I've been holding an offense I'm mad at somebody and I want God's blessing let God speak to your heart this morning Pastor Coleman you come